Hello. Here we are again, gazing into the rear pew mirror, reflecting on how different things look from the last row of the sanctuary. I'm Doug Brook, and I have to tell you, the Hebrew month of Tishrei is packed full of high holidays, from the first shofar blast of Rosh Hashanah through the final blasted Aliyah on Simchat Torah. For anyone out there keeping score, Tishrei starts somewhere in September or occasionally early October, depending on how willing the secular calendar is to play along. Tishrei starts with Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, though Rosh Hashanah is two days long because why have one New Year's Day when you can have two for twice the price? The tenth day of the month is Yom Kippur, or Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when Jews are allowed to wear white after Labor Day because they have all day to ask each other for forgiveness for wearing it. Five days after that starts Sukkot, commemorating the temporary shelters the Jews lived in while wandering the Sinai Desert for 40 years and 40 nights. Sukkot is eight days long, the eighth day of which is Shemini Atzeret. Its name literally means the eighth Atzeret. Nobody knows what an Atzeret is, but that doesn't stop us from having special services for it. The next day is Simchat Torah, a festive day where we both finish our annual reading of the Torah and quickly start it over from the beginning before anyone can say, no, not again. All of that is in the month of Tishrei. And I didn't even mention the smaller stuff like the 10 days of repentance between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, uh, the fast of Gedalia, but they'll still be on the quiz at the end of this podcast. With all these holidays, the rabbis realized that they wouldn't see their families for most of a month and that people would need to go back to their jobs after so many weeks of wanton worship. Not to be confused with the annual wanton worship of December 24th that comes a couple months later. The next major holiday isn't until Hanukkah, nearly two months after Simchat Torah, and the rabbis realized that if they were going to get a high holy break, they'd have to act fast to get to slow down. So, for the month of Cheshvan, immediately after Tishrei, the rabbis decided to take advantage of the Bible lacking major miracles or disasters that month by keeping it free from any additional major holidays. For thousands of years, the rabbis ensured no disasters or cataclysms occurred in Cheshvan, so everyone could focus on what's most important in their lives each fall. Holiday shopping season. Uh, Here's a little note I should give you, actually. Um, there's actually an Ethiopian Jewish holiday called Sigid, which falls during the month of Cheshvan. Due to centuries of inconsistent internet connections between Ethiopia and the Western world, this holiday didn't get into the broader worldwide Hebrew calendar for a very, very long time, though it's actually been a national holiday in Israel now since 2008. It's a cool, interesting holiday, and you should look it up. Uh, not right now, after you're done listening to this, of course. I'd go into the holiday more right now, but it kind of kills the whole setup for what comes next, so just work with me here. So, the rabbis of the Western world ensured a two-month gap in holidays and breathed a collective sigh of relief. But that didn't stop everyone from exploring additional holidays, or even the addition of holidays to each other. In the long-lost, recently-discovered Talmudic tractate Baba Gump, Rav Telephone ponders what would happen if holidays occurred at different times of year than they're scheduled. 
Now, as a reminder, in the fine tradition of Talmudic tractates such as Bava Metzia, Bava Batra, and Bava Kama, comes the long-lost tractate Bava Gump. With its avant-garde interpretations, such as how shrimp can be kosher, it quickly becomes obvious how this radical tractate was quote-unquote lost for nearly 2,000 years until archaeologists uncovered it in an ancient trash bin that someone forgot to empty before the Jews were expelled from yet another somewhere or other. In the fine tradition of sages such as Rabbi Akiva or Rabbi Tarphone, Bavagamp delves deeply into the teachings of Rav Telphone, the great communicator, as he was known to his several students. Rav Telphone's initial inspiration for holidays shifting their times of year was the New Year itself. The New Year is celebrated on Rosh Hashanah at the start of Tishrei, near the start of fall, as we were just saying, despite the Torah describing the year as starting on the first of Nisan, the Passover-infused springtime month when Japanese automakers were originally expected to announce the New Year's models. Imagine Rosh Hashanah followed two weeks later by Passover instead of Yom Kippur. Or imagine Yom Kippur with Passover four days later. That's okay. Nobody else wants to imagine it either. Nevertheless, Rav Telphone's son and successor, Rav Cellphone, cut the cord with tradition and, as he always did, with his radical views ventured into areas where the reception he'd get was weak. He went a step further than his father by exploring what it would look like to combine holidays from opposite ends of the year. Rav Cellphone's initial inspiration was Yom Kippurim, the combination of the biggest fast day of the year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, with the biggest holiday for frivolity, Purim, might seem contradictory, or sacrilegious, or impossible. It is all of those things. But Rav Cellphone's idea wasn't just his idea. The Torah itself repeatedly refers to Yom HaKippurim, thus predicting the story of Esther well over a thousand years before Haman started his bakery or triangular hat store franchises. The first half of Rav Cellphone's Yom Kippurim is the atonement piece, full of fastidious fasting. The second half is the Purim piece, full of fervent fermented frivolity. Critics of this mashup argue that it renders atonement meaningless if immediately followed by drunken celebration. But Rav Cellphone contends that it lets people get doing something they'd need to atone for out of the way early so they can spend the rest of the year being righteous dudes without worrying about when they're going to finally sin. Another holiday, Rosh HaPesach, confuses more people than even know it exists. As I mentioned before, the Torah says the new year starts in Nisan, 15 days before Passover begins, yet Rosh Hashanah starts Tishrei soon after school starts. So, Rav's cell phone decided that this combined Rosh Hashanah and Passover observance, Rosh HaPesach, could be a New Year's holiday in both months. Thus, Rosh HaPesach would occur twice. For two days in Tishrei, people would celebrate what's known as Rosh Hashanah while eating matzah covered in apples and honey. In Nisan, people would celebrate Rosh HaPesach to mark their freedom from the recently ended year as well as from slavery in Egypt. 
While no rabbinic sage is on the record about Rosh HaPesach in any way, some nonetheless contend that Rosh HaPesach should be only six days in Nisan because two of Passover's eight days would now fall in Tishrei. For those who observe Passover for only seven days normally now, some say Rosh HaPesach should be only five days in Nisan for the same reason. Others say that Passover is diluted by this mixture, so we must eat matzah for 10 days, two in Tishrei and the eight we already commonly observe in Nisan. Yes, it's at this point that the numbers in the debate start to get complicated. Thus, while it's not generally celebrated, known, or documented anywhere, Rosh HaPesach is quietly credited for requiring so many Jews to become accountants. But wait, there's more. Consider these other hypothesized holiday hookups. Chanubaav uses the presentation of presents on Hanukkah to create eight days of gift-wrapped matchmaking when combined with the pseudo-Valentine's Day of Tuba'av. Shemini Ha'atzma'ut combines Shemini Atzeret and Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israel's Independence Day, to mark people's independence from eating in the sukkah after eight days. However, that seemingly imposed eighth-day ending of Sukkot doesn't excise the existence of Lag Besukot, borrowing from Lag Baomer, the 33rd day of the Omer between Passover and Shavuot, Lag Besukot commemorates the 33rd day of eating in the sukkah because it's November and still nobody's bothered to take it down yet. And the dining room inside still isn't cleaned up from the Yom Kippurim break the fast slash keg party. Finally, Shavuot Torah quite logically combines the celebration of the giving of the Torah, Shavuot, with the celebration of restarting the Torah each year, Simcha Torah. Because no matter how hard the rabbis tried, sometimes their decisions just made sense. Well, that's it. I'm really not trying to get rabbis to never speak to me again, even the ones who died centuries ago. Oh, and by the way, when you go and Google Sigid later, remember the Ethiopian Jewish holiday I mentioned before? You'll find that it actually is a holiday mashup with half of it being a fast day and the rest of it being a celebration. It's actually very cool. But I couldn't let that overshadow everything you just heard. As the Talmud says, don't ruin a good punchline with facts. But the fact is, it's no punchline that I thank you for letting me speak with you. Rear Pew Mirror is my longtime humor column, and this episode was based on my October 2021 column, When Holidays Collide. Any similarity to actual 1951 sci-fi films produced by George Pal, living or dead, or to any actual Jewish holidays is purely coincidental. Except the title. That was totally ripped off. Please follow Rear Pew Mirror on your podcast platform of choice, and tell your friends about it. If for some inexplicable reason you didn't like it, tell your friends about it when you're mad at them. Either way, please share this episode with them so they can hear for themselves. You can read past columns at rearpewmirror.com and follow Rear Pew Mirror on Facebook. Also, check out Rear Pew Mirror's home publication, Southern Jewish Life Magazine, at sjlmag.com for more legitimate news and facts than you'll ever hear from me here. I'll talk to you again next time. Be good out there.